So if you're taking notes today, uh, just basically we're going to title this message, Passing Through, Passing Through. So Genesis chapter 11, we're going to go in verse 31 there. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. Genesis 11:31. So <laughs> hustle up, man, waiting on you. All right. So this morning I want to talk to you for a few minutes about a guy that probably most of us have never even really noticed in the Bible. His name is Tira. Um, Tira, just kind of get some facts out the way. Tira is actually Abram or Abraham's father. Uh, but I believe as we look at, uh, you know, the few verses that contain this man's journey this morning, we'll find out that in some ways it's not that different than ours. So Genesis chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, I'm kind of combining the Amplified and the New Living Translation, um, just kind of get a better understanding and a better reading of it. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. If you're not, say, oh, no. <laughs> it says this in verse 31. It says, one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. It says they were headed to the land of Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. We're going to sit on those two verses pretty much for the majority of today. All right. So let's start there at the beginning again. It says one day Tira took or Tira led his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai and his grandson Lot and they moved. Somebody say they moved. Come on. We're going to be a talk back church today. Okay. You're going to work with me. So listen, the Bible doesn't tell us why Tira decided to saddle up the donkeys, to saddle up the camel caravan and head west with his family, his animals, his belongings, his servants, etc. I don't know. Maybe he saw something, uh, you know, the Internet. Maybe he heard something at the barber shop. You know how fellas talk. Maybe he ran into an old friend at Rennie's. I don't know. But maybe the economy went south. You know, I'm not really sure. But somehow he found out about this distant land and he decided it was time for him and his family to move. Somebody say move. You got to understand, this was really out of ordinary for that day. Most of the time in that culture, a man would build a house as kids were born, and they would build extra rooms on the house when they got married. And everybody just basically, uh, you know, were born, uh, grew up, you know, kind of live and died in the same spot that they were born. So this is a big deal that this man decided to move. And so the Bible goes on and it says this. It says, and they moved away. Somebody say away. It says they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, give you, let me give you a few quick facts about Ur of Chaldeans. We're just going to kind of set the course here. Ur of Chaldeans is found in modern-day Iraq. In fact, it's about 50 miles south of Baghdad. And it's better known as this, as Babylon. Anybody ever heard of Babylon? So Babylon was originally called Babel, and it meant confusion. Somebody say confusion. So it was founded by a man named Nimrod, Whose name means this. I didn't know all that was up there, but his name means this. Let us revolt and rebel. So the Bible is very clear that Babylon was established out of rebellion toward God. So watch this. Therefore, biblically, Earl Chaldeans represents this confusion, rebellion. They're at the bottom bondage and sin. So biblically, it represents confusion, rebellion, bondage and sin. Then the Bible says this. It says they were headed for the land of Canaan. Now, if you look at a map, basically, you will see over here uh, Earl Chaldeans, which is also known as Mesopotamia. It's also known as Babylon. And you'll find out the way to the west, you have Canaan. In fact, it's, uh, wow, we got a map, that it's 955 miles apart from each other. That's like basically driving from here uh, to the North Carolina, South Carolina line. 
So how many of you guys know that's a long way to ride a camel? Amen. <laughs> so a few quick facts about the land of Canaan. It's also known as this and what we all know it as, as the promised land. Somebody say promised land. Now, the Bible describes Canaan as a good land that's flowing with milk and what? Milk and honey, right? So biblically, it represents this. It represents inheritance. It represents provision. It represents abundance and blessing. Like everybody's just staring at the screen. It represents inheritance, provision, abundance, and blessings. In short, Canaan is God's best for his children. Amen? So, listen, the Bible may not say it, but I believe that Tyr and the gang had to make a choice either to stay in confusion, rebellion, bondage, and sin, or pack their bags and move to a place that was known for inheritance, provision, abundance, and blessing. I don't know about you, but that seems like a real easy choice. Yes. In fact, let's just get honest this morning. When you and I came to a point where we knew we needed God in our life, at that moment we decided, are we going to leave bondage and rebellion and sin? Are we basically so we can inherit through Jesus Christ and through what he, you know, the price he paid that we would inherit uh, inheritance, provision, abundance and blessings. Is that true? Amen. Amen. So listen. So when reading this story, it seems like everything is going really well. Tira, Abram, Sarai, and Lot, you know, they're leaving bondage. They're headed to blessing. And everything seems to be going really well until the wheels fall off the caravan. Now watch what happens right here. Look back at the verse. It says, but when. Has anybody ever had a but when moment? It says, but when they came to Haran. Now, I want you to think about this. They're on their way to Canaan, the great promised land. But watch this, something big happened and Tira made the same mistake that I've personally over the last 20 years seen many Christians make. And it's this, is that when they encounter a Haran, everything changes. Now you're sitting there probably going, what in the world is a Haran? I'm glad you asked, all right? Haran means this. Haran means parched. Parched. Haran was a desert. It was a dry place. It was a place where everything was withered by the sun. Has anybody ever heard of a place called the wilderness? <laughs> Amen. Listen, you know what I'm talking about. If you've lived for God for any amount of time, you've encountered a spiritual dry place. And if you've lived with God for a while, you've encountered many dry places. Amen. Listen, I don't know about you, but I have personally, uh, you know, have spent months, six months, a year, sometimes just feeling, man, I'm in the dry place. Anybody ever been there with me? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about you, you go to one service and you go, you know, I didn't feel goosebumps today. I'm talking about literally there's a prolonged season. You're going, God, where are you at? Listen, it happens to all of us. In one moment, we're making great forward progress in our destiny. We're enjoying God's presence. We're full of joy. We're hearing God's voice. Our prayers are being answered. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the great prophet Nacho Libre, but in his words, life is good. Life is good. Listen, and out of nowhere, we find ourselves in a Haran. We find ourselves in a dry place. We find ourselves in a parched place. We find ourselves in a desert. And God feels distant. Our prayers seem to be hitting the wall. God is silent. Folks, life is not good in those moments. Amen? Listen, and because I know all of us, and because we're so rock solid and full of faith, what do many of us do when we encounter Haran? Here's what we do. 20 years of watching this, we fall apart. We get discouraged. We go into depression. We become an emotional roller coaster. We become a basket case inside. We get angry with everyone. We holler at our wives. We kick the dog. You know what I'm saying? 
Listen, we begin to doubt and blame God. Listen to me in this part. And if it's not God's fault, we certainly think it's the church's fault. Listen, because we think like this, because there's no way that I would feel like this if, man, if that pastor would just do things different. True? Listen, unfortunately, too often we embrace a poor me, I'm less than victim mentality in the dry place. Is that truth? A few little things I just want to warn you about today. It's in a Haran that the devil will tempt you to read the, redefine the character of your God. That literally, it's in the dry place, the desert place, that the devil will come and he will try to get you to redefine the character of your God. And the reason is, is because if he knows if he can get you to redefine the character of your God, he can get you to redefine your walk with God. Yes? Listen, it's in a Haran, literally, that the enemy will attempt you, attempt to get you, say it right, to lose confidence in the house or in the church that God has planted you and your family in. I've witnessed that way too many times, that literally everything is good. I'm receiving open heaven. Man, this new church, it's awesome. And then we hit a dry place and we think it can't be us and we think it can't be God. And so somehow we go, you know, what? it's got to be that church. Anybody ever been there? Listen, I, you know, it's kind of funny when. Um, when I was just kind of going over this. I, I thought about a certain scenario, okay, and, and, I, and I typically don't use names, but I guess I will in this moment. But, but when, we were, when we were on staff in North Carolina and Pastor Brian was there with us, this is the story that came to me, okay? Um, there was this woman that came, went to counseling with Pastor Brian, and uh, I won't say her name, but, but she, she went to him and, and he counseled her, and then she wanted prolonged counseling. Now, there was nothing wrong in this you, you know she just had a certain mindset certain things she wanted and, and pastor brian suggested hey you, you need to go uh meet with our uh our counseling pastor who happens to be a lady well the woman got all bent out of shape she got listen she got so bent out of shape and so offended she left the church now not, not only did she leave the church but she took her husband and her two kids with her now her two kids were really locked in both of them were on the worship team in the youth department Great godly kids, and she sent her kids to a desert. She went to this other church where the, the other pastor was extremely self-righteous, thought he had the only gospel that was in the town, that kind of scary thing. Listen, it, it got to a point where um, this was kind of funny because the kids would occasionally sneak over to see us. And they're like, look, you got to pray for us. And they're saying, you know, pastor, teach me how to honor my mom in this because I'm struggling. And basically, the stepdad wouldn't stand up and wouldn't lead. Mom was leading out of offense. And uh, so, you know, what happened was one day she ran a shop. She, she's from Africa originally. And, and that was part of the issue because, you know, the way she viewed the, the pastor there of why she refused to go another route. And uh, so anyways, a woman comes into her shop one day and uh, buys a few things and leaves. And then she ends up going, okay, I need to go back in. This is her kid telling me this. She comes back in, and she calls the woman by name, and she goes, God has given me a prophetic word for you. i got to give it to you. You left your church out of offense. You did it and just ran down the ringer. Basically, you need to repent, and you need to go back to where God put you at. Because, see, what happened was, is through that process, she subjected her kids to a, a, a pastor who was very uh, manipulative. I'm not even saying that word. He manipulated them a whole lot because he wanted to use their gifts. He cared more about their gifts than them, and he tried to take a role in their life that it wasn't his to have. Are you all following me? And so 
here's kind of the point that I wanted to make. And I don't know who that's for. It may not be for anybody. Maybe somebody's on this podcast. I have no clue. But a lot of times as parents, okay, or as leader of the homes, we think, well, it's just us. We're going to make a decision. And we, ro- we don't realize that a lot of times that the way the enemy wants to set us up is to basically hinder our children. Am I making any sense to you? So, so watch this. You've got to understand, God is, some of us have children here, but God has given us those kids for us to be stewards over them, to develop them, and to, and to literally train them uh, to basically be something in the kingdom, right? They're his kids first. Yes, we're all his kids. And so and so what happens is, is, is just kind of learn through the process. I've seen this again and again. That's just one example of how when when God literally has his hand upon kids and the favor God is upon them, he will literally derail the parent to mess up the kid's destiny. Am I making any sense to you today? You, you know, at the same token, let me let me share this with you. And this is the other thought that I had. Sorry, it's a little rabbit trail here. I remember one day I, I walked into the church. I think we were at a leadership meeting, so it was like on a Saturday. And, uh, you know, whatever. There's hundreds of people there. And Dr. Ralph, he was our, our second guy in charge before Pastor Brian came back, walks up to me. And Doc, Doc's an older guy. He's probably 87 now or 88. And he walks up to me and he just says this. You know, Quentin, if the devil can't get to you, he'll go after your children to get to you. And that's the thing. So many of us in here, we're so ate up. And struggling because the devil's having a heyday with our kids. Yes? Because why? Because he's trying to get to us. Am I making any sense to y'all today? So listen, I want to encourage you in this. Total side note, stand your ground. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. He's still the God of miracles. Keep, li- listen, here's where parents make a mistake. Is they remove boundaries and they say, do whatever you want to do. Right there you said, devil, raise my kid. Is that not true? Listen, if whatever, I'm no expert, but I but I work with kids a long time. Okay, uh, twenty years. Kids want discipline. Kids want structure. In fact, I, I can't tell you how many kids have said this. I don't know why my parents don't love me enough to give me structure. That's come out of kids' mouths because they feel as if the reason their parents don't give them this is because ultimately they don't love them. Just go do what you want to do. It's in them. It's, listen, we are wired by God to be people who are under authority because we're supposed to be under his authority. Making sense? And so I just want to encourage you, don't give up your ground. Okay, keep fighting, stand strong, and believe God. Amen. We could go an hour on that, but let's move. All right, so here we go. So let me, let me give you the three once again. It is in Haran that the devil will tempt you to redefine the character of your God. If he can get you to redefine the character of your God, he can get you to redefine your walk with God. The third one there was simply this, is that as in Iran, the enemy will attempt you, attempt to get you to lose confidence in the church that God's planted you in. Amen? If you're with me, say, oh yeah. So watch, this leads us to the next thing. I'm going to show you what we tend to do out of human nature when we encounter a Haran. And everybody in this room has, has done it at least uh, at one point or another. Look back at the verse. It says this. It says, but when they came to Haran, they what? They settled there. When they came to the dry place, when they came to the desert, they settled, they dwelt, they stopped, they became a, hear what it means in Hebrew, that became a permanent resident there. Watch this. Too often when we encounter a dry season, we take our foot off the gas, don't we? We back off of our pursuit of the will of God. 
And we begin to compromise. We slide into mediocrity. We quit worshiping passionately. We visit the Word less and less. And I found that we only pray during special occasions, like lunch and dinner. Seriously. It's like we refuse. It's like, it's like we've, we've encountered Him too much to walk away. So we just kind of keep Him there at least enough to say, you know what, I'm going to remain on surface level so I can still ultimately just go to heaven. But you're, it's like you refuse to go deep. Listen, let me echo the words back at you, what Jesus said to Peter in Luke 5, launch out into the deep. Here's the truth, okay? Even today I heard this when when we were worshiping. A a, a man told me one time, he said, Quentin, there's nothing that you can't worship your way through. That's wisdom. There's nothing that you can't worship your way through. Because, listen, there's times where you definitely go, I don't even know what to pray. True? True? But when I put my attention on him and I worship, and once again, listen, guys, we got to get to a point where we quit just singing songs. And we realize that that song is nothing but a vehicle for me to worship God. It's my heart that worships him. That song is just putting words in my mouth so I can worship him. Yes. So when we get to the point to we quit just singing stuff, we, you know, listen, like it's karaoke time. Right. And we really engage with our hearts. Guess what? Heaven comes. Amen? You could have did a little better than that. Amen? So listen, it's in those dry seasons, like here, we begin to look around to try to find the best place to unload the camel, uh, camel caravan. Listen, we want to kick our boots off and stay a while. We literally pull out our tent, look for a place to set up shop. We start looking for people that have settled just like us because we all need friends. You know, there's an old thing that we used to say in youth ministry all the time by, by a legend in youth ministry. She used to say this. She'd say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Bottom line, you are a reflection of the people you hang around. So if you're around bitter people, offended people, if you're around people who are just surface level people, well, guess what? It's a great mirror, a great reflection of where you personally are at. Yes, because there's something inside of you that gets comfortable with being around them. I don't know about you, but when those times where you're really on it with God, you get around those people, you're like, why am I with these people? Anybody ever been there? Listen, but it's in a it's in a desert place that we literally start going to uh, pity parties. Right. We literally go, we get together with people and we act like they're block parties, you know. But it's really a pity party. And what we do is get together and just gripe and complain of what's not going on right. Right? And, and we start talking about what God used to do. The only reason God used to do it is because nobody's standing in the gap fighting for it now. He's still the same God. Yes? Amen. So listen, it's literally in the dry place that we go from dreaming about thriving in the kingdom of God to just hoping that we can figure out a way to survive. Anybody ever been there? Listen, in short, we settle. We settle for less in every area. It's almost like this. If I could give you a picture of what this looks like, it's almost like we become content with eating crumbs from the king's table like we're some kind of peasant. That just hopefully a crumb's going to fall off. We can run there and snatch it up real quick. When the truth is, is Jesus shed his royal blood. Amen. So that you and I would have the right to sit at the table of the most high God as a son and daughter. Yes? We need to live like that. Amen? So listen, let me show you what ultimately happened to Terah here. It says in verse 32, it says, And Terah lived 205 years. It's a long time. Wonder when he started drawing Social Security in that. 
says, and Terah lived 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. That he died in the dry place. That he died in the wilderness, the parched place. Are you hearing me today? Listen, here's where this gets really cool to me, because I love how God works. I think it's very interesting that when you look up the name Terah in the Hebrew language, that you find out that it means delay. It's like, pack your bags, go home right there. Boom. His name means delay. Now, delay means this. It means to put off to a later time, to postpone, to put off action, to procrastinate, to impede the process or progress of. Wow, huh? They're leaving Canaan. I'm sorry, leaving uh, Babylon, Earl Chaldeans, making their way to Canaan, land in Haran. They got delayed. Listen, because Tira was a procrastinator, because he lacked action, because he thought he could put all forward movement until a later time. How many times have we thought that? Well, next month I'll, I'll do it. You know, next week I'll pray. Next week I'll worship a little harder. Ne- and that next week, that's like saying I'm going to go organize the attic. Good luck, right? So listen, because he procrastinated, he ultimately traded a life full of God's best for a place in the desert. He literally died in the place between bondage and blessing because he got delayed. Are you hearing me today? So the simple question I have for you this morning is this, is are you being delayed? Are you being delayed? Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to die in a dry place. I want to fulfill God's destiny for my life. So do, do yourself a favor. Turn to your neighbor really quick and just say, neighbor. Say, are you passing through? Or have you decided to move in the neighborhood? Watch this real quick. Let's turn the corner. Let's hit the right blinker here real fast. Please open your hearts and listen to this really well. There's two types of Harans, two types of desert that we encounter in our spiritual lives. Okay, we've got to get balanced to this real fast. The first one is this. The first uh, type of desert is God-ordained. It's God-ordained. We may talk about this next week. I'm not sure yet. But this is where God leads you into the wilderness like you did with Jesus. He has a purpose for it. You're being molded. Your faith and trust in Him grows. The fruit of the Spirit matures in your life during the season. Your intimacy with the Father expands to a greater capacity. You're in the training ground of the school of the Spirit. He wants to take us all there. You thought you were done with school. You're not done with school because you'll never graduate from this school. Okay? But listen, you're being prepared for your next assignment. And like Jesus, you will come out. If you go through it, you'll come out of the wilderness season with a greater anointing. Amen. That literally when Jesus went in, he was tempted. And the Bible says when he came out, guess what? That he was anointed with power. Let me even maybe throw this out there at you. A little side note here. Hopefully you're okay with this. Listen, let me put it this way. A lot of times when we first get saved, it's like we are so overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Yes? It's like, man, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you. for. And then we come to a spot. It's like, where are you? You know, Keith Green, uh, actually his wife wrote it, but there's an old song that says, uh, my eyes are dry and my heart is cold. And um, I can't remember the rest of the words. But basically, in the sense, she was encountering that season of going, you know, you used to be like this, 
But now, man, it's just I don't feel nothing now. You know what I've personally found out in those situations? Watch this, because you're going to learn something right here. If you don't hear anything, hear this, okay? It's in those seasons where God, stand up, where God is really close. This is my wife, so I can be close, okay? All right, so where he's really close, and you're like, you're like wow, God, you're, you're so loving. And then what he does is he backs off, and he gets distant. Stay over there. And literally backs off, and you go, where are you at? I don't feel you. And you get upset. Because you, here's the thing, here's the truth. Because you keep doing what you've always done. But if you're going to go somewhere you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. So God backs off because why? Because He doesn't want us to stay there. He loves us so much, He wants us to go to a new level of intimacy. It's, it's no difference than this. And I don't mean to be uh, whatever, weird and fleshly. But, but, you know, I've always heard people, sorry kids, all right? That I've heard people that have been married 15 years, 20 years, they go, man, sex is better today than it was when we first got married. Did I mess with y'all there? <laughs> he made it, y'all. All right, so it's fun. All right, so all right, whatever. Right? <laughs> so listen, but. All right, here we go. So, I want to say so many things that might mess with too many of your religious tendencies. All right, here we go. So, all right, so anyway, so here's the deal. Focus. Is, is what happens is the reason they say that is because the level of intimacy and openness and vulnerability have went to such a different level. That's what makes it better. Because, it's, because there's something about when the Bible says this, that the husband and wife are naked and unashamed. That's not something to laugh at but there's a truth in that because what happens is we're so open and so honest before one another it just becomes real and authentic it's like when you get married it's like there's this areos love that's a sexual love and then you take it to the friendship phileo love and then you go a step further and you begin to learn what agape is are you following me that's what they're saying in that that they're starting to understand what unconditional love really means am i making sense you guys so watch this. So Jesus backs off. And the reason he backs off, because plain and simple, is because he wants you to go deeper. He wants a different level of intimacy, a different level of, of just knowing you, a friendship with you. But it's up to you if you do something different to come closer to him. Amen. So that's why, listen, why I'm always saying stretch your worship, stretch your capacity to worship, stretch your capacity to pray. Are you following me? Because why? Because he's inviting you to different levels of intimacy and he will bring you to a place that's called the desert to see how much you'll let your roots really go deeper to find that water. Are you following me today? You're amazing. Best wife I've ever had. All right. That's right. So listen, if you and I, if we want to live an anointed life, and I hope that's your goal. It should be, okay? If you want to live an anointed life that's literally marked by the presence of God, then we must, we must, we must, Pastor, get this word, many dry places that are absolutely orchestrated by God. Are you hearing me today? Listen, it's in this spot that when you hit that dry season, instead of getting upset at God, you go, God, I trust you. And you trust the fact that God knows where he's taking you, and, he, and you trust that he knows what you need when you get there. 
And you understand that he is bringing you through that season because he's trying to prepare you to equip you for what you're going to need when you're there. Am I making sense to you? Let me just share a story with you really quick, okay? I, there's, a, there's a minister that I really like a lot. And a uh, super prophetic guy, uh, insane healings, all this stuff. I mean, the guy's got a, just a lifestyle of miracles with God. And he said that he woke up one night. The Lord literally woke him up at 12 o'clock. And this is just on the sermon that he preached. He woke up at 12 o'clock, and, and the Lord spoke to him, and he called him by name, and he said, in the next year, you're not going to feel my presence. And he said, basically, one month, two months, three months, four months, he's just complaining. God, where are you at? And he's struggling and fighting. He's saying, you know, I'm going to these places, and I'm ministering. And, and he said, we're laying hands with people. It looks like a meat market. People are... The power of God's moving. He said, I'm prophesying on hours on ends. People are getting healed left and right, and I feel nothing. Are you following me? And he's literally said this, and, you know, this might test your ability to believe, and that's fine. But, but, he, but he said this. He said that he was uh, traveling, and he was away, and he normally gets his kids, like, uh, postcards, and he'll write something, he'll mail it to them. And he said one day he opened up his Bible, and, um, you know, he had the card there, and he actually decided to write. He said, it said, to God, from, and he put his name. He said, I wish you were here. And then he said the next day he woke up, and that thing fell out of his, fell out of his Bible, and he picked it up, and he said, for a few minutes, the Lord allowed him to see a message from him. It said, to, it said the guy's name, from God, what makes you think I'm not? And he said he watched the writing turn from God to his. Are you following me? Yes? And so here's, here's the deal. He said it took months for him. Basically, that was like the turning point for him. Basically, he said he realized that God was uh, trying to teach him to not depend on some feeling or some emotion in his ministry. But to have a position of faith and minister from position of faith. Are you all following me? No, I, listen, that word for me came like at a perfect time. Okay, let, let me let me make finish the story. Then I'll say this. He said that literally he you know he just kind of got okay. God, this way you're going to do it. Kind of settled in. I think most of us that really walk with God, we know what it's like. Okay, Lord, you're doing this. Just kind of settling your heart and you keep pushing. Uh, but he said one night he was sleeping again in bed, and and he instantly woke up and he looked at the clock, and the clock changed. Boom! And the presence of God went. <laughs> In his room, and he realized it was a year to the date that God spoke to him. And he started talking about basically how God was longing to reconnect. Are you following me today? So, listen, I, for me, that came in a really good time, personally. Uh, you, you know, because we were, I was in a per, one of those dry seasons, God, where are you at for months? And then we go to youth camp, and we got 250 kids there, and, and, and I got to lead the way. We got a preacher, but I got to lead because I'm the leader. And so we're there, and I'm going, okay, altar time's, altar time's there. I'm, I'm their pastor. i got to pray for them, right? And you're like, but I'm in a dry season, and I don't want to pray for them. Fair enough? But there's something about remembering that story of going, okay, God, that was from you. I needed to hear that. And just going, you know what, I'm going to lay hands on them. I believe when I lay hands on them that, guess what, God, you're going to do something. And sit there and literally watch hundreds of kids fall out in the power of God. And you go back to your little room that night and you sit there and you realize, you know what? I didn't feel nothing tonight. But it was faith. Right? God moved through faith, not feelings. Amen? And literally seeing lives changed by the hundreds. And then you go, you know what? 
you, you know it was him. Because here's what's so great. Because you didn't get hyped up. Woo! Right? Too much we, too much we live by emotions. Instead of just going, Jesus, I love you. Fair enough. All right? Amen. So here's the question I have for you real fast. Are you willing to walk through a desert to make it to your promised land? You should. Amen? Get this one, okay? And we're going to try to wrap this up and probably pray for some people. First one was God-ordained, a God-ordained dry place. The second one is this. Please listen to this. It's self-inflicted. There's self-inflicted dry places that we encounter. So I want to... I want to take a second, and I want to turn from Tira, and let's go to really who the story is about. It's really about Abraham or Abram, okay? And give you really more of a theological truth that's really in this, okay? But I want you to notice something. Are you still there in in Genesis 11? Uh, In fact, if you can, go back there real quick. I want to show you something. We're going to pop over to Acts briefly, but I want want to stay there and actually go ahead and look at uh, chapter 12, verse 1. This is what's been taught. I've heard this literally again and again and again and again. We had a pastor that was on staff. He loved to bring this verse up. So all the time when he'd open his mouth, he'd share this. Okay? And I found out that it wasn't the whole picture. Okay? And I'm not dogging him because there's a truth in this. But, but I want to show you this. So many people talk about, okay, Tyr was 205 years old and he died in Haran. And then the Lord spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12:1. says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, so stay there, okay? So, you know, and he would always go, you know, the whole thing, get thee up and get thee out. And it's a great word from God. But what happened was, is I was, when I was studying all this process, I found something in Acts that totally uh, shifted the way I looked at this for years. So in Acts 7, 2 through 4, it should be up on the screen. J- just look at this. It says... Yep, good deal. It says, and he, it's talking about Stephen, okay? Stephen said, brethren and fathers, listen. It says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was where? In Mesopotamia. That's Earl Chaldeans. That's Babylon. So here he is. He is still in Babylon, and God appears to him. And it says this. Watch this. Notice, before he dwelt in Haran. Uh-oh, i got to look at chapter 12, verse 1 there, a little different now. Before he dwelt in Haran, and then it says in verse 3, And he said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Watch this. So in context, Abraham did the right thing. He obeyed. He got out of Ur of Chaldeans, okay? Chaldeans. He got out of there. So but what happened was, is he didn't get away from his family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here, in essence, he made the right decision and the wrong decision at the same time. And what happened was, is let's get, let's get truth, and if this is for somebody, let it land. Is he let someone keep leading him that had no right leading him anymore? Are you following me? He basically, God spoke to him, and I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but somewhere along the line, God spoke to him, because we read a while ago in Genesis uh, 11 that the word took means led. So somewhere he still went to his dad and gave him permission to lead him when God was saying, I want to lead you. Are you hearing me? Who's leading you that doesn't need to be leading you? Where God wants to lead you. Amen? 
So watch this. It says, Before he dwelt in Haran, said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. In verse 4 it says, Then he came out of the land of Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. Well, we got the whole story a while ago there in Genesis 11. But here's the truth. is He had to pay the consequence for his wrong decision. Self-inflicted dry place. God spoke to him, said, go to a land I will show you. We know because we've read the Bible that it's Canaan. But what happens is, is he lets a man lead him and he, the, the lay lead him. And he ends up in a dry spot for how many years? We don't even know. But the man lived a long time. Are you following me? Yes. Am I explaining this okay? What's this? It says, and from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. So let's go back to Genesis 12. I don't think God was telling him the first time here. I think God was having to remind him. I'm making sense to you today. So Genesis 12, well, we know right before that, once again, Terah died. And then it comes in verse 12, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Watch this. One would think, okay, there's no way that this guy is going to make the same mistake twice. Scoot down to verse 4 there. It says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken him. Right choice. And Lot went with him. Wrong choice. Listen, if we continue to read the story, and many of you guys have, but we'll find that the next season of Abram's life, or Abraham's life, was full of disunity, strife, contention, or what we would call drama. And it was all because of who? Because of Lot. He paid the price for his partial obedience. Please understand that. And we, we've all had to learn it the hard way. But partial obedience is still 100% disobedience. It is. Watch this, though. Because this is the faithfulness of God. Watch what happens when he finally uh, did it God's way. Flip over to Genesis 13. Look at verse 14. 13 and 14. You can fill in the gaps in your own time. 13, 14. Once again, watch, watch what happens when he does it God's way. It says in verse 14, And the Lord said to Abram, after. What a powerful word. We breeze right by those things all the time. After Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. It's yours. Listen, the moment that he fully obeyed the Lord, he entered into his inheritance. Literally, by obedience, he stepped into that place of inheritance, provision, abundance, and blessing. Fortunately, right for Abraham, God's plan ultimately came to pass. Yes? But Abraham, through a lot of his own decisions, needlessly caused a lot of bumps, bruises, and delays along the way. Am I making any sense to you guys today? So the question here is this, is what or who is in your life that is causing you to be delayed in your forward movement with God today. And it's really this. I've got to be honest with you. This is the real thing that kept coming. And, uh, you know, the, here I'll just be honest. You know, when things come, you're like, okay, Lord, I don't, wanna, I don't want to, as a pastor, you don't ever want to go, I'm going to tell you something. You, you know, that's just not right. You, you know, you know what I'm saying? In other words, you use the pulpit to tell, you, you just don't aim at it. So I have a clue who this is for, so I'll just... Say it. So this, I'm saying that. Say this isn't named at anybody, but but when you look at 
being delayed in your forward movement with God, here's kind of what I felt, is that someone is literally hindering you or something is hindering you from entering into your next level. And the word that I kept hearing there was this, is leadership. I don't know what in the world that means, but it's like this, that God wants to really exalt someone in a greater level of leadership than they've ever had before, but because they keep submitting themselves to something else, they can't walk in it. Am I making any sense? So what or who in your life has caused you to put off, stop your progress, procrastinate, lack action, and the plan of God for your life? So listen, I want you to know today that it's really this, that not until your delay is dead, until your tear is dead, meaning that it's out of your life, not until that happens will there be any real forward movement in, the, in your walk with God. won't happen. Let's do this real fast. Let's stand up, please. Let's stand up. When you stand up, if you can, just kind of close your eyes. And we're just going to kind of make room for the Lord today. Simple prayer real fast. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would increase your presence in this room. Father, we acknowledge that you're here. Now, Lord, just all around this room, we choose to give you access to our hearts. God, to be open and vulnerable and honest before you today. Listen, gang, there's no doubt that God has great plans for your life. The the word has said it. Many of you guys have received uh, prophetic words. Um, But listen, the bottom line, the word of God, God himself has told you that he has great plans for your life. And at the same time, there's no doubt that God has great plans for this church. Right? But there's something that must happen when, when God speaks to us, once again, through his word, or if it's prophetically, if it's individually, if it's corporately. In those moments, we've got to choose to come in agreement with what God has spoken, what God is saying, what God wants to do. Um, and it's literally when we don't come into agreement with those words, that's when we find ourselves in self-inflicted dry places. But, but when God speaks, we have to come in agreement with these things. We have to come in agreement with our words. In other words, you know, even myself lately, I've been asking, okay, Quentin, are, uh, is God in agreement with what you're saying about yourself? And the answer has definitely been no, or he wouldn't be pointing that out to me. <laughs> but there's things that God wants to do in me personally and in this church that my words have to come in agreement with what he's wanting to do. And then the next part, when your words go, your actions have to follow. And if your actions can follow, then guess what? It comes down to real the heart issue. Your attitude has to follow. So once again, when God speaks, corporately or personally, we've got to come in agreement with our words, actions, and our attitudes. In short, we've got to come into alignment on the heart level or nothing will ever change. You know, there's that saying, and I think I've said this to you before, but, but the day of hearing has got to give away to the day of doing. In other words, there, there, there must be an action that, that's got to happen in me. So here, here's what I want to talk about real fast. Two things. There's definitely people in this room today that have wonderful things ahead of you, but you're currently called in a self-inflicted dry place. There hasn't been any. If you're honest, there hasn't been any forward movement in a while. You can't look and go, man, I, I've, I've been growing in these areas. God's been speaking to me here. God's presence here. You, you know, once again, you're, you're there in a self-inflicted place. And what needs to happen is we need to identify what those delays are so that we can get rid of them. And, uh, 
you know, listen, for some of you guys, it's going to be relationships. Some of you guys, it may be a sin that, you know, I, you know, I, there's this thing there. I think some of it may have to do with being offended with someone. Uh, you know, I don't know. It could be a whole host of things. I, you know, I, I know me personally when the Lord began to walk me through this. I began to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any delays? And, and I was thinking, okay, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. And then until I went to sleep and I had a dream. And, I, you know, whatever, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you. In this dream, I, um, I knew I was at a youth service meeting. And uh, we were kind of like in the game room area. And it was at a church that I've never been to before. But so I'm sitting there with some people. I'm talking. And I look to my right and, and through the door. Basically, it was a really dark room. And the light came through the room as the door was open. A guy came from outside and started walking toward me. And I recognized the guy as a person who used to be really, really close to uh, my family. And, uh, and the guy, this may not mean a whole lot to some of you guys, but the guy tried to Absalom me. He tried to basically lie about me to, so he could get my position at the previous church. So he ran his mouth, said a whole bunch of things. And, um, and you know, basically, the, the best way I can describe it is what David said. Uh, he said, if it was my enemy, I could have I could have I could have handled it. He said, but you ate from my own table. You know, my kids called this guy uncle so and so. I mean, we were tight. We were close. And uh, then he ran his mouth. I once again, because he was lusting for ministry. And ultimately, God's judgment came. I just blessed him and uh, did what God told me to do, even though my heart uh, was not in a good spot. But he ended up getting thrown out of our church. God dealt with him. And um but in this dream, you know, I'm asking God, is there any delays? Is there anything holding me up? And this guy walks over to me, and I just haul off in my dream and hit him in the face. And then I keep replaying that, just swing. First hit, just keeps going. And it, I, literally, it probably went about ten times, and I woke up. And the Lord goes, there's your delay. And I knew it was because I had a fence in my heart that I had to get rid of. And I thought I'd forgiven the guy, but the Lord's like, hey, there's, there's more. So listen, so yours may be, hopefully that makes sense. You, you, you guys think it'd be obviously something completely different. You may not want to punch anybody in the face. <laughs> or you might. <laughs> so let's just close our eyes. We're going to pray, and we're really just going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And if there's something there that we've been, uh, you know, that we've personally caused by our actions, by our attitudes, whatever it may be, that if we found ourselves in a self-inflicted dry place, that we'll let him reveal it to us and uh, we can get it right so we can move forward. So if you can, just close your eyes and let's make room for him. Holy Spirit, today, corporately and individually, Lord, we choose in this moment to focus on you in a deep way. Father, we choose to engage in your spirit and open up our hearts and ask you to speak. So Holy Spirit, would you come? If there's anything that's causing us to be delayed today, God, will you reveal it to us? In Jesus' name. I'm asking you to do something. That when he speaks to you, I want you to lift both hands. Once a safe place, lift your hands up high. Just an act of surrender to him. God, we give it to you. Come on, there's healing in this. God doesn't want to embarrass you. He wants to help you. Put your hands down. Eyes closed. I know that there's another group of people in here, and it's this. Please listen. That your right choices 
have led you to a God-ordained dry place. Really simple today. You just need encouragement to quit fighting it. Rest in the fact that God has you where He has you. Open your heart up and let Him do what He wants to do. In other words, you need to come in agreement with Him. You need to let Him change you. And I, and I have to say this today. Uh, I don't think what you thought has been the devil is the devil in that. I'm not talking about sickness or anything like that. That's completely from the enemy. But I'm just saying in a situation we're going, you know, we shake our finger at the enemy, at the enemy and give him credit when God's really just trying to do something in us. So if you know today that you're in a God-ordained wilderness like Jesus, with both hands, please. All right, here's what we're going to do. Um, Kim's going to continue to play. And we're just going to make this room a big old altar, okay? Once again, I know this may be different for a lot of us in the room. Um, but once again, you know, we're just here to meet with God. That's it. Here to, here, to be, here to encounter heaven, here to encounter Him. So if you don't mind, please, look, I'm, I'm ending much earlier than what we normally do. So don't look at the clock. So what we're going to do is she's going to play. If you want to come and you want to get on your knees up front, if you want to sit down where you're at, that's fine. Just, just where you're at, make it an altar and begin to open your heart between God. And if there's something there that's been self-inflicted, I would just encourage you to repent and ask the Lord to speak to you of, of what you need to do, um, you know, to kind of get back on the right track. If it's there and you know you're in a God-ordained one, just say, Lord, what are you really wanting to do in me right now? And Lord, I, I just want to come in agreement. So let's just... Take maybe, I don't know, five minutes, whatever, and let's just make room for him to do whatever he wants to do in your heart. Uh, we will receive tithes and offerings before we leave and, and say a few things before we get out of here. So please don't leave. Uh, but once again, the altars are open. I would encourage you to come and uh, just let the Lord do what he wants to do. Amen. Listen, don't everybody be afraid to come to an altar, please. Just do yourself a favor. Don't sit down and check out. Hang in there with God. Come on, stretch your capacity to be with Him. If you really want prayer, just grab somebody around you and say, Hey, would you pray for me? And, uh, you know, if you're a couple, I encourage you to pray for each other. today to come in agreement with you and what you're saying to us in this moment. Father, whatever um, whatever ways we need to shift, whatever ways we need to um, literally just change direction, Lord, we just say that we're willing. And uh, Father, those who heard things today, God, that they're literally going to need courage and strength to walk it out. Father, we just pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to do so, to obey. Father, our hearts, God, are to obey you completely, to obey you fully and not partially. So, Father, thank you uh, for just the favor upon us, your grace upon us. And, Father, we even thank you that your word says, God, that in our weakness that your power is made perfect. 
I said, Lord, thank you for coming and helping us in every one of those situations. God, so we can get to where you're going. Lord, we all want to live in a place of inheritance, a place of abundance, a place of blessing. God, we want to live in a place, God, where heaven is moving and heaven is speaking. And so, Lord, thank you for getting us to the spot uh, which would be called your best for us in our lives. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for just shaping us and molding us and making us more into the image of your Son. Thank you for the preparation that you're doing in our hearts, God, so we can be ready for the next assignment and the current assignment so we can do it to the best of, of not our ability but the Holy Spirit's ability in us. So, Father, thank you today for just sealing your word. Lord, we pray today, God, that it wouldn't be something that we just kind of go out uh, the doors and kind of go back to normal life and forget. But, Lord, let, let the peace that you desire to see fit lodge in our hearts. And, uh, Lord, let it remain so it can produce the fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold that you desire for it to produce. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. say a few quick things and, and we will exit today. Um, I mentioned these, I guess, past few weeks, but listen, if you remember, we have prayer cards in the back, on the back table. If you have a prayer request, um, you know, several of you guys, many of you guys have already filled it out. Uh, you know, we have a prayer team that we send it to and, uh, and they've been praying, believing God for what, uh, basically God's will for what you're asking. And uh, so if you have a prayer request today that you want us to pray about, once again, that's confidential. Uh, we don't send it out to everybody unless you ask for it to be. It's just a certain team that prays for it. Uh, but also I want to kind of do a dual purpose with this card today, just today. Anyway, so, um, sorry. Is um, basically if you have a testimony, man, let us know what God's doing, please. So if you, want, if you have a testimony or prayer request on the blue and write it down. Also, if you are visiting with us today, we normally do this up front, but uh, we have a green card in the back. If you don't mind filling that out, uh, we would appreciate it. Just let us uh, know that you were here, and uh, we'd just like to connect with you and just say thanks for coming. Um, one thought for you as we receive tithing offering today. I just want to read this verse to you, and mainly just for, uh, just for encouragement's sake. But it says this in Galatians chapter 6. It said, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. It says, For he who sows to his flesh will, all, uh, will love the flesh, reap corruption. But here's the awesome part. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then it says this in verse 9. And this is really where I felt like, okay, let me share this with you guys. Because I feel like there's potentially people here that have been, uh, been faithful in their giving. Um, and they're just like, Lord, we need a breakthrough in this area. We need you. We need. We need. We need you to do something here. And, uh, and a lot of times, it's it's easy when you know you're doing the right thing, the good thing, uh, to kind of lose heart because you don't see heaven responding back to you. But it says this in verse nine. It says, "And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart." And obviously, that right there, I just want to maybe write and read a note here. It says. Um, anyways, I'll just say it to you. Pretty much it's this, is that a lot of times heaven doesn't respond as quick as we want him to respond, right? But uh, listen, we have a promise that he will. And so I would just encourage you, even in your giving and all things in your prayers, don't lose heart. Let God do what only he can do. Amen. So if you don't mind, stand to your feet. 
And obviously when we dismiss, you guys are more than welcome to stay and hang out. If you have a kid downstairs, please go get them. Um, Please don't uh, leave and forget them. So that would be nice. I just also want to just a reminder to encourage everyone. You know, we have the church website and Facebook. You know, pull that up. Um, We try to keep it updated with everything so you know what's going on. And then also just a reminder that on Sunday mornings from around 8.45 to 9.15, we have corporate prayer here um, before service. Oh, he says to about 930. Um, So if you, you know, are able and would want to, we would love for you to join us. We just are covering the service and the week with prayer, Um, just really inviting God to have his way in the service and in the region and just all that he wants to do and accomplish. And then we also have a cafe that's open, opens at 915. So there's always coffee and drinks and breakfast, snacks and the um, donations for that, go to omissions. Um, but just a reminder that that's there in case some are, don't know about it. We have new faces. So that um, starts at 9.15 downstairs in the little cafe area. And then also the um, during praise and worship, we have nursery for zero to four-year-olds. And then, of course, when we do the break, then the five to 12-year-olds um, go downstairs as well. So just a reminder that all that is there. Oh. <laughs> We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Like you said, you know, don't be in a hurry to rush off. But, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are real and alive. God, thank you that you see and you hear and you care and you are working on our behalf. Thank you for loving us so much and too much to let us stay where we're at. But you are continually beckoning us um, to grow more in you. Father, I just thank you for your people and ask that you would bless them today. Bless them this week. Father, may they begin to see a shift in those areas, Father, a shift into the new seasons that you have for them. And just, God, as they um, beckon your call and just as they take hold of it and as they listen to that and follow your call and just turn towards you and lay the things aside that you're asking them to lay down. And as they grab hold of the things that you're asking them to grab hold of, Father, I thank you that you are meeting them there. And God, just continue to just love on them, bless them, protect, watch over them. We thank you that you're providing for their every need. And God, that you are God. You are who you say you are yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we fix our gaze on you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.